0: Thank you so much for being here. You can have a seat. You're going to take your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 17. Our scriptures today are so powerful and clear that they don't even need an introduction. So we're just going to jump right to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him uh, who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. In him. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to start right in the middle and kind of work our way out. So look with me at verse 19. It says, That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Now you you know what a trespass is because you were a teenager I'm guessing at some point. A trespass is when you cross a boundary that you are not supposed to cross. You're on one side and it's the good side. It's this place that you're supposed to be. And then you cross the line and now you are in a place that you are not supposed to be. That is trespassing. So, the same thing works for us in our relationship with God. Uh, He has laws, He has decrees, He has ways, He has a will, and He has revealed those laws and decrees and ways to us in the Scripture. And when we stay inside of those laws and decrees, we have all kinds of freedom. We have all kinds of peace. We have all kinds of joy. But when we cross the boundary, we trespass. And I thought just to be helpful today that we would just list some trespasses so we're all feeling terrible about ourselves. How about that? That sound good? So we'll pick somebody that we know really well. Bilbo Skywalker. Lord of the Rings fans, Star Wars fans, if you don't know either one of those names, buy television. Or, you know, this can be you, or it can be me. Because it's going to be true for all of us. So let's just go through a little imaginary list. Think about your life. I'll think about my life. We'll think about Bilbo Skywalker's uh, life. Uh, Trespass, when we break God's commands, his laws, his ways, we cross that boundary. Let's just start with a big one. Lying. Stealing. If you're thinking, well, I would never do those things, (laughs) self-righteousness. I mean, what else are we going to put? Malice. You know what malice is? Malice is that hatred that's stored up in your heart. That when you think about somebody, uh, you want bad things to happen to them. Maybe not harm, maybe not death, but like everything short of that that's malice you have two or three people in your mind right now that that applies to greed envy slash jealousy pride and arrogance selfishness me first How does this affect me? That's not good for me. Lust, which gives birth to sexual sin. And yours may be pornography. I mean, we could keep going on and on and on. Rage. That short-tempered anger that flares up when things don't go your way, when your expectations are not met. Cursing. Cursing. Uh Uh-oh, I didn't know that was on here. Unfaithfulness. Idolatry. We've all worshipped and loved something that was less than God. I mean, and maybe that only applies to somebody else, but I'm guessing that that's a pretty general description of all of us. And you can go through and think about instances in your life when these have been true for you. See, here's the bad thing about this list. like, This is a, attached to your name. Like that's who you are. That's who I am. This list right here. You're like, well, it doesn't seem so bad in the moment. Like when I'm being tempted and I just make the quick decision to go ahead and be jealous or be selfish or be filled with greed or hate that person or lie. It doesn't feel that bad in the moment. But when you write it down, it kind of just feels dirty and it feels polluted. But this is attached to our name. Like this is who we are. This is what we do. And if it if that wasn't bad enough, I mean a trespass, once you trespass, you can't untrespass. Like once you've crossed the line, like you you can't ever undo that. Now you can cross back over the line into the safe place, into the good place, but it doesn't ever erase the fact that you did cross the line. That's why this thinking that, if, if maybe you're holding on to it this morning, that somehow when I stand before God, you know, I'll be able to have... Uh, done, do away and erase all of these trespasses by all of my good stuff. That somehow all my good stuff, which probably is a very, very long list, can undo this, but you can't undo a trespass. Once you cross the boundary, you've crossed the boundary. You can't ever erase it. And if that weren't bad enough, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. There are some serious consequences. Serious ramifications. Romans chapter 8. Verse 7. It says, For the mindset of the flesh, that's this list right here, is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it's bad enough, hello, that this list is attached to my name and your name. But this list is hostility towards God. Like we have made ourselves enemies of God through this list and the mindset that gives birth to this list. That's why reconciliation needs to happen in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because we have walked away from God, or more than that, we have made ourselves hostile to God. God is not the one who changed. We have brought the hostility into that relationship, and he has only ever been gracious to us. He's only ever been good to us. You know, like, well, bad things have happened to me. Yeah, that happens on planet Earth, but even during that, he was holding you and sustaining you. A God who has acted graciously towards us and how did we repay that graciousness with this list, with this hostility towards God? And The devastating thing is that we've made hostility towards Him and that this is attached to our name and this is what He might see when he sees me. But, verse 19 says, not counting their trespasses against them. I want you to look at verse 21 of Second Corinthians. Flip back there really quickly. It says, as he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So 2 Corinthians 5:21 is is describing an exchange that happens. Uh, it's best um, pictured in 1 Samuel chapter 18 tells the story of David. You remember David, he was anointed king, a uh, future king over Israel, but he was not a king. He was not any kind of royal line. He was from a nowhere place, kind of from a nowhere family. But God saw him and picked him to be the future king of Israel. So the prophet Samuel comes to anoint him, and, and David ends up uh, you know, fighting Goliath. And as he fights Goliath, he meets the real king, King Saul, and he meets King Saul's son, Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is the future king of Israel. That's the way. He was the heir of everything. He was the prince. But the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 that the heart of Jonathan was knit to the heart of David. And Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. And so there's a beautiful story at the beginning of of chapter 18 in 1 Samuel that says that Jonathan makes this covenant with David. And he takes off his princely robe and he puts it on David. He takes off his princely belt that holds his princely weapons and he puts them on David. And what he's doing is he's saying, I'm making a covenant with, with you that even though I am the future king of Israel by birth, I recognize the hand of God on your life and the anointing of God on your life. And so I'm making a covenant with you today. There's an exchange that's happening. I'm putting on you my princely robe. I'm putting on you my princely weapons. And that's what's happening in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says that, that Jesus... Who knew no sin, was made sin on our behalf. That's what the cross is. The cross is is all of this stuff which is mine and which is yours was not counted against us, it was counted against the Son of God. Well, did, did Jesus, I mean, was he ever jealous of anybody? No. But I am. I mean, Jesus, was he ever filled up with pride and arrogance and selfishness? No. But I am. Was Jesus ever greedy? No, but you are. It's easier when I just use myself, isn't it? No, but... But on the cross, Jesus made an exchange. He said, all the stuff, all the stuff that counted against you, I'm going to wear. Now I don't know if you felt the gravity and weight of your own sin lately, but that feels like pretty good news to me. I mean, whatever you have done, that's the ugliest and Most twisted, maybe there's some specific details of how these these general terms were fleshed out in your life that are totally gross and polluted and dirty. Jesus wore that. I should have counted against you. And my stuff should have counted against me, but he made an exchange. He said, I'm going to wear this. And so on the cross, this sinless life was our substitute. Substitute. Exchange has happened, but that's only half the exchange. It's a powerful half, but it's only half the exchange. Because what does it say that we get? It says, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So I don't know, maybe you want this list attached to your name. Maybe you're proud of this list. Maybe you think that you can stand before God and say, you know, it was, it was kind of a big deal, but it really wasn't that big deal. Maybe you'll wink at it. Maybe you'll pretend it away. Maybe you'll ignore it because maybe you're in a good mood. Or maybe you just want to receive the second half of 2 Corinthians 5.21. And so instead of, you know, this list being attached to your name because of Jesus and the exchange... you can wear that I mean maybe maybe you do want to take your chance with the other list but Jesus has made it possible so that God when God looks at you right now he sees this and not that The word counting, you count our sins against us. You can also translate it, calculate. I mean, if somebody did all this stuff against me, I'm going to spend a lot of time calculating how much I'm going to punish them for all of these things. Well, they were greedy and they didn't share with me. I'm going to freeze them out for three days. I think that's a three-day offense right there. He yelled at me. My boss yelled at me in a fit of rage, and so I'm not going to answer his emails for one week. I feel like that is inappropriate. This girl got all self-righteous with me when I talked about Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, and so I'm never going to talk to her ever again. That's what we do. We calculate trespasses against us. But right now, I mean, I don't know. But I'm guessing that's just a normal week for most of us. I guarantee you, there's somebody in this room right now who all of these are true about them in the last seven days. Not a lifetime, not one time when I was a teenager, but in the last seven days, this is true about more than one of us. And right now, as God looks at you, and me in his house. He's not calculating up our sins against us. He's not counting them up. He's not going, well, they sinned five times, six times, seven times. How many times are they going to sin? And how should I punish them for that sin? He is not calculating your sins against you. He's not counting them against you. Why? Because he already counted them against his son. So when he sees you and he sees me this morning, he doesn't see us. He sees the righteousness of his son if you have received his son. That's why the the gospel is called good news. Because that, ladies and gentlemen, is good news. I don't know what kind of good news you got this week, it was not that good. (laughs) Because Jesus, he made an exchange. And because he made that exchange, it's going to fuel us. Look, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 again. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So he's saying, listen, the old has gone, the old list is gone, the new word has come, the righteousness of Jesus, and and God has entrusted us or committed uh, to us the message of that reconciliation. So it means that God has taken this amazingly good news, this gospel, and he has trusted you with it. He's trusted me with it. Uh, This weekend, uh, Jackson, he's doing the Cub Scout thing, and so we had the Pinewood Derby. Anybody do the Pinewood Derby? Anybody? Show of hands. Yeah. Yeah. it's incredibly intimidating because you and your child have to form something out of a block of wood. That's all you get. I didn't know the rules at first, and so I went to Hobby Lobby and I bought a pre-made car and uh it's amazing. And so and then a friend, a friend over there actually he uh, said that's against the rules. And then I thought, well maybe i could lie about it, but then he's like I'm actually a judge. And so all right, you know, so so I went to the Boy Scout store. They got a Boy Scout store and uh and bought a a you know kit which is a block of wood and some wheels and you're supposed to fashion it into this amazing looking car now I own tools and I know how to turn them on and after that it gets a little sketchy so we picked a design which I thought that we could do and, and we made it happen but the good news was is when I went to the store how many blocks of wood do you think I bought I'm telling you I bought more than one because I just didn't have that much confidence in my ability. Now, it turned out fantastic, the first one. And so Jackson, he's got this personality where he doesn't want to do things. He's six years old. i get it ready to be seven. He has a personality uh, where he doesn't want to do things if he's not going to win, you know, or if he's not going to be good at it. Or there's even doubt that he's not going to be good at it. He just does not want to do it. He gets that from someone, not me. And, um, <laughs> and so he's like, am I going to win? And so I just looked at him, just this moment of father-son moment, and I said, no. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're not going to win anything. Does it pass the tests, and does it go down the track? That's our only two goals here, son. It's finally, I pumped him up into believing it. And since he's six, he was bad at math. And so he thought we actually won a lot more yesterday than we actually did. So I'm praising God for first-grade math skills. <laughs> but in my garage right now, there is more than one backup plan. Because I just I didn't have any trust in our ability, mine and my six-year-old, to make it happen. This news is so good it's so amazing it's so life altering but when it says that God has entrusted that message to you and me what that means is he doesn't have any backup plans like there's nobody else coming this is our generation in our city like we're it This is it. Your neighbors, your friends, your family members, if you're wondering who is going to tell them about Jesus, if you don't, maybe nobody. There is no backup plan. There is no, if the people don't do it, then we'll just float a bunch of angels out in front of everybody and then they'll just believe. There is no other plan except for the church of Jesus Christ. It's just you. Once you turn to the person on your right and say, it's just you. Now, doesn't that seem irresponsible of God? I mean, it feels a little irresponsible, doesn't it? I mean, if this were just, um, you know, if you act better than you are right now, then God will accept you. If it's just that kind of news, then I would understand just having one plan. But the message that God doesn't count our trespasses against us, that he has reconciled the world to himself in Jesus, that message is so good that you would think that he would want plan A, plan B, plan C. And even if plan C doesn't work out, there's a plan D. But there's not. There's just plan A, and plan A is you, and plan A is me, the church of Jesus Christ in our generation for our generation. He's entrusted this incredible message to us. And then look what he says next. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. So it says we are ambassadors. Now that word ambassador feels like you can kind of get lost in what we think of as an ambassador. So I want you to turn to John chapter 20. I want to show you how Jesus commissioned his disciples... To be his ambassadors. John chapter 20, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He appears to Mary Magdalene. She's astounded, and he says, I want you to go and tell the disciples. That I'm alive. And so she does. But look what happens. Look where we find them in verse 19 of chapter 20. It says In the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. These guys, they had heard that Jesus had been raised from the dead. That very day. But where do we find them? We find them all locked up and huddled up. Filled with fear. It was like they had heard about the resurrection and maybe even part of them believed it but it hadn't yet worked its way down into their decision making. See, I come in here on Sunday and I get so filled up and stirred up and yeah, I want to be an ambassador. I want to carry the message that's been entrusted to me and it seems so clear to me in these moments and then I get out into the real world and I just shrivel up like somehow it's less important or I'm too distracted or too timid or whatever it is just like these guys saying I I hear it and, and I believe it but it's just not worked its way down and so some of us just need to come to terms with the resurrection of the son of god that he is alive and when we leave to carry his message of reconciliation we're not on assignment of some church or some pastor or some religion or history that we feel the need to protect we are on assignment from the raised up son of god you know sometimes i i get in into the culture of the world and i'm like do you like me do you approve of me what do you think about me like i'm in middle school all over again can you build me up can you can you pour some affection on me because i'm i really need what you can offer me But if the resurrection of Jesus Christ gets down into my bone and marrow, then I can stand in front of people and with grace and humility and kindness and love and winsomeness say, I'm not here on my own. I'm not here because somebody told me to come. I'm here because I have tasted and seen and I'm on mission from the resurrected Son of God, Jesus Christ, and He has achieved victory over everything. So Whoever I'm talking to, I don't know what is filling you with confidence. I don't know if it's your income or your your looks or your possessions. I don't know what's filling you with confidence, but I know what's filling me with confidence. The raised up, alive, forever son of God is filling me with confidence. So I'm just going to drop the Jesus bomb right into the middle of this because I'm on a mission. I'm on assignment. And I'm not here on my own. Jesus sent me and he's with me and he's alive. And that's worked its way down into everything. And Jesus says, as as the Father sent me, I send you. I love that. Because Jesus, He came to earth, but He knew earth was temporary. It was fading. It was not home. It may have felt homey, but it was not home. An ambassador. They're always aware that the place that they're living is not the place. It's not the forever place. It it may feel comfortable, but it is not home. Amanda and I uh, lived in England for five months on this ministry assignment, and and we loved the place that we lived. It was was amazing. It was beautiful. We would go out during the day. see these amazing sites and everything there is like old, you know, here, it's like, this was made 60 years ago, whoa, it's an antique, you know, there, it's like, this was, the Romans built this, and like, oh, wow, Um, you know, before there was AD, you know, people were building stuff there, and you can go and see it, just loved it so much, we loved the people, we even had a flat, which is a really uh, cool way to say apartment, and uh, just loved it, but we were always aware that this was not home. We felt comfortable, and we loved it very much. Our hearts were there, but it was not home. We went to London for our uh, second anniversary while we were there, and we had been in England for months now, and, and we went to a place called the Texas Embassy, which is uh, this restaurant there, and, and um, we were well aware that we were not home in England when we went into the Texas Embassy because... In Texas Embassy, they had Dr. Pepper, you know, and so we just drank Dr. Pepper and Dr. Pepper and Dr. Pepper because it was like the only place in Europe that they have Dr. Pepper. And it felt home, and we loved it very much. We loved the people, but it wasn't home. An ambassador always remembers that. And as you read the stories of Jesus, people are just always flocking to him. Because Jesus was an ambassador for sure, but he was more than an ambassador. He was like an embassy of the kingdom of God. It's another way to translate the word ambassador in 2 Corinthians chapter five is embassy. It's like when people came to Jesus, they got around the kingdom of God, not just this one person, but they got around God himself and his kingdom. And Jesus acting as that embassy was like a refuge for people. I think that's why the apostle paul uses the word appeal in second corinthians 5 that christ is making his appeal through us because there should be something about us that is appealing to the world now, our message may not make us the most popular people on planet earth but the way that you live the life the way that you carry the message the way you live out the message people should at some point say you know what i need to be around that because when i'm around him there's peace and when i'm around the people at work there's no peace when i'm around her there's love and genuine affection when i'm around all my other friends there just seems like i can't trust them when i'm around them i got this optimism for what might happen with my life and i have faith and and i don't get that anywhere else there should be something appealing to us that when people encounter us they're not just encountering us but the kingdom of god because we are ambassadors of that kingdom Ambassadors are always, they're always on their assignment. He uses the word plead. Christ pleads through us, be reconciled to God. That word plead is used in the gospels to describe how people come to Jesus when they're sick. You remember those stories? Remember the one about the blind man who's on the side of the road Jesus is passing through the city of Jericho, just this one main road, big, big mass of people all flocking around Jesus, and this blind man hears something going on, finds out it's Jesus, and he must have heard about Jesus's reputation because he starts screaming out above the crowd, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples did exactly what I would do if somebody shouted in here would be like, "Shh. You know, this is not the time and place for that. Things are happening here." But he didn't stop. He just kept screaming out above the crowd, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, plead it." And Jesus heard his pleas. And he left with sight. Remember the story of the religious leader whose little girl is sick? And he comes to Jesus, a father's. How are you going to come to Jesus if your little girl, your sweet little girl is on death's doorstep? Are you Are going to come up buttoned up, suited up, put together, sophisticated like the way we think of an ambassador? You're going to come with your rationale and the 15 reasons why it would be good for Jesus to heal your daughter. No, you're going to get down on your knees and you're going to say, please, 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 please come. Please come. And Jesus does. And on his way there, there's another woman. She's been sick for... Years and years and years and years. She's exhausted all of her resources trying to fix herself. And there's this massive crowd, this throng of people all stirred up around Jesus. And she is so desperate. She pushes her way through the crowd. This sick, frail woman pushes her way through the crowd just to grab on to his hymn. And she finds what she needs. what it looks like to plead. Some of us have been just trying to put out the Jesus vibe to everybody, hoping at some point they'll clue in. Like, oh, what I need is Jesus. And I think some of us need to cross the line and not be too proud to plead. That there are people in your life that you love and you care about, who are in your circle. And you know, there's no plan B. There's no plan C, there's no plan D. There's no just in case, no, God has entrusted the message to you. So it's time to plead. And no, this is not the most sophisticated, buttoned up, put together presentation of the gospel. But I'm telling you with with all of my love for you, and all of my affection for you, and all of my experience be reconciled to God. God does not count your sins against you anymore. When we think of ambassadors, we think of them all suited up, white starch shirt, black tie. I don't think those are the kind of ambassadors that Jesus is after today. I think he's after John the Baptist type ambassadors. People who are wild, crazy and bold and tenacious and fearless out in the wilderness of our culture saying there is a way to God. The one has come. Pleading in the wilderness. be reconciled to God. Father, we we bless you. We bless you today. We bless you that you have taken our sin away. We bless you that you do not count our sins against us. We bless you that you have reconciled us to God. you're here this morning and you are not sure that you have been reconciled to God and you want that reconciliation you don't want your sins counted against you then cry out to Jesus in faith with me Jesus I believe in you I believe that you lived and that you died that you were raised from the dead. And I believe that an exchange has happened, that you've taken my sin and I get to wear your righteousness. So I receive what you have done now. I commit my life to you. Jesus, I am your follower. Father, I pray for all those who whose prayers you've heard today. I pray that you would assure them with the truth of your scripture that you have heard them and that they have been reconciled, that they were once far off, but now they are near and now they have eternal life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them powerfully with every good gift so that they can now be used as ambassadors carrying the message of Jesus to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.